the Russian attack on Ukraine has continued to dominate the headlines, with Russia beginning its offensive on the eastern part of the country. Ukraine's importance to global food supplies cannot be underestimated, with the impacts of the war being felt across the world. Russian troops are targeting food production, with farmers and their livestock feeling the impact. On this week's Over the Farmgate podcast, we're taking a look at how UK farmers can help the aid efforts. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian Head of Business, Alex Black. Farmers have already rallied together, providing aid and opening up their homes to Ukrainian refugees. Food companies have also made significant donations to the aid efforts. Gleep Farm Foods has delivered 24,000 cartons of its pure oaty oat drink and granola to Ukraine. Grain Giant Sofetra has been assisting with logistics, sending three Arctic lorries filled with donated supplies. They are just some of the examples of the industry stepping up. And now, as the war rumbles on, there's a call-out for farmers to deliver aid. Jess Fredenberg reports. As Putin's attack on Ukraine continues, it seems that Russian troops are targeting food production, including farmers and their livestock. To tell us more, I'm joined by Max Krivonis, Executive Director of the Eastern European Agricultural Alliance, which is based in Warsaw, Poland, and has members across the region, including Ukraine. Max also used to work in the Ukrainian Agricultural Ministry and so has many contacts on the ground there, and since the war has been using his network to get aid to internally displaced people. He's now calling for more farmers and agricultural companies across Europe to work with him to deliver targeted aid to the country. We're also joined by Nick Renison, a Cumbrian farmer who's been working with Max and has so far helped deliver six van loads of aid to the country. Max, um, we'll, we'll talk a minute about what you and Nick have been doing to get farmers across Europe involved in helping the Ukrainian people. But first, what can you tell us about what's happening on the ground in terms of farming and in terms of food supplies? Uh, hello, everybody. In those regions where situation is more or less is safe, those farmers are involved into, into sowing. In most cases, right now, situation with the sowing uh, in Ukraine is quite normal if we speak about um, different materials which are required like fertilizers, like crop protection, uh, seeds and other stuff. Uh, why? Because Ukrainian farmers were preparing last year in autumn. They are prepared and probably the biggest maybe problem right now for them is if we speak about those regions where Russian troops were taking place, for example, in northern part of Ukraine, like Chernigiv region or, uh, or Kiev region, uh, some fields have mines, and this is the biggest problem because there are cases, or already cases, uh, when farmers were killed by, by, by those mines because they cannot identify uh, those mines on the fields. And this is the, the biggest problem. And yesterday, for example, there was a case, and it was written in Ukrainian news, that such case uh, had taken place. But farmers are, are so uh, brave that... They are doing their usual activity, which they have to do. Uh, we are speaking about central part, about southern part, western part of, of Ukraine. So just it is going according to the plan. The, the problem can be the next season, 
because as I mentioned, farmers right now have all the staff for leading their daily activities uh, because they were prepared. But in case if, if the war will take a long phase and it won't stop in the nearest future, so probably the the future can be a problem uh, because there are a lot of a lot of problems uh, which can appear in the future. Mm, yeah, I mean it. I, it's really, it's really sad to hear, um, and you know, just terrible to hear you talking about farmers just going out, sowing their crop, and and getting killed by by landmines like that. It's really truly terrible. Um, and I think when we when we talked before Max, um, you know, last last week about all this, you were saying how, you know, a lot most of the farmers have stayed, haven't they? Because they know, yep. they know the importance of their work. Uh, yeah, at, at, at the beginning mm. when the war had taken place in Ukraine, the biggest problem for for Ukraine and for farmers it was logistics, because um, people who has to deliver any kind of goods, they were afraid uh, about their lives. And this was uh, the biggest problem at the beginning. And probably also right now, uh, also in some regions, it is the problem to deliver some kind of goods. At the first stage of the war, when the war uh, began, Ukrainian farmers, they were so united, so they sent uh, all necessary products to Kiev for providing those food products for Ukrainian armed forces. And this was their main goal. And you, you mentioned as well, last time when we spoke, you mentioned something about um, a, a cattle farm yep. where the Russians had arrived. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, that um, was um, modern uh, barns built uh, close to, to Kharkov. It is in the eastern part of Ukraine. The farm is totally destroyed. Uh, Russian soldiers were simply, uh, when they arrived to, to the farm after the bombing, they were simply shooting on the cows, which uh, who were not making any, any dangerous to them so just it's quite difficult to analyze why they lead in such a way i think it's uh, the question to psychologists uh, to to analyze why soldiers are killing simply uh, and shooting uh, the the cows so just those cows were were, were desperate and uh, a few of them were were alive but the the whole dairy farm was destroyed so just uh, and such farms which are destroyed there are a lot of cases. It was one one of the cases which was shown on the media, uh, and uh, we can talk also about, for example, agricultural mas- machinery uh, dealers in Melitopol, for example. Uh, agricultural machinery was stolen and taken to Russia or to Chechnya, for example. Uh, it was already identified by EPS because those producers, they have all the information. For example, it's uh, agricultural machinery of Petrostat or agricultural machinery by John Deere. For example, from one deal, it was stolen for $1 million. Petrostat, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for 800,000 euros. So they're really, it, it sounds like they're actually targeting the, the real infrastructure of food yeah. production yes. then. Do you think that's something that is... That's a deliberate kind of target now. Then uh, we can guess from 
from those actions which are taking place because uh, if uh, food security uh, and especially in Ukraine food security will be will be destroyed so probably it will be the biggest problem not only for Ukraine but the, for the whole world because as we know Ukrainian uh, commodity crops they were delivered to to Africa to uh, to Asia. If you speak about Ukrainian mm. wheat, wheat export uh, for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, it was expected that approximately uh, from January twenty one. So just uh, it was expected that nine point six million metric tons will be uh, exported, but in reality it was exported only two point three. If the war will take long phrase and it uh, won't finish, small Ukrainian farmers, they will have lack of those necessary materials for continuing their activity. I mean, for example, fuel, I mean, crop protection or fertilizers. If it will be a problem, so they don't have possibility to finance their activities for the next year. Probably they will have problems with the land. Probably some of the farmers are leasing those lands, some of the farmers starting uh, or planning, were planning to, to buy the land. And if the farmers will not be able to pay their credits, because some of the farmers, they have their machinery, for example, they have credits. So probably the banks have possibility to take their land. And the question, who, who, to whom this land will be, will be sold and who will be the owner of the land in uh, in a few years. So just problems are quite big. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of, like you say, a lot of long-term, potential long-term issues yeah. um, that if if this continues, which to be honest, I mean, at the moment, it's looking like it will, won't it? So um, let's talk about the 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 issue, the, um, the situation right now, though, because I know you've been working with Nick and I want to bring Nick in um, in a minute. He's been waiting very patiently. <laughs> but um, I know you've been working together to try and get food and uh, other supplies to people in Ukraine. Can you tell us just, Max, just outline for us um, what exactly you at the Eastern European Agricultural Alliance, what you have been trying to do in terms of working with farmers elsewhere in Europe? Uh, thank you for this, this question. Uh, yeah, mm, why we contacted farmers? Uh, because we know that farmers are the same in all over the world. It doesn't matter if it is Ukrainian farmer or it is British farmer or, or farmer from, let's say, from Africa. Probably problems and uh, those challenges which farmers met uh, are quite similar to, to everybody. And uh, it's easier for farmers to understand uh, another farmer and help uh, another farmer. And uh, according to our activities, so just we know that farmers are so united all over the world that they always uh, ready to uh, provide the their hand and help each other. So for this reason, so just we were in touch with the agricultural producers, with the farmers, uh, asking them to, to help Ukrainian people, Ukrainian farmers. Uh, in most cases, so just uh, when we co- contacting uh, foreign farmers in Europe, we uh, asking them to provide uh, help, uh, humanitarian help, uh, aid uh, in uh, in form of uh, the food with the long term uh, of consumption uh, to provide this food uh, to either voluntary uh, organizations which pro- 
provide this food for local refugees. It doesn't mean that European farmers provide help, for example, with the seeds to Ukrainian farmers. No, uh, Euro European farmers provide food for people who are fleeing from dangerous uh, parts of Ukraine uh, and who cannot go uh, to Europe and who are staying in Ukraine. And for example, right now, we are helping people in the western part of Ukraine. It is uh, Transcarpathia region already has uh, 30,000 of refugees. And this uh, number of refugees is quite big. And we are helping, for example, a member of international uh, organization, which is called Caritas. They bake bread and uh, deliver this bread to hospitals where children who just either it was war or it was previously, they don't have parents. And these uh, children were ev evacuated from Mariupol, for example. And this bakery is providing daily bread to this hospital, but it's only the one case. Uh, we are helping exact people who are providing aid, free aid for other people. Nick, I want to bring you in. I know, uh, like Max has just said, you've been, you've been working with him. Can you tell us how you became involved and what you've been doing so far? Yeah, well, uh, maybe about five weeks ago, um, inspired actually by the, the Welsh farmer, Clear, who, who you um, interviewed last week, um, we, we had a bit of a lull between lambing and calving. And um, my husband, Reno, said, you know, we, we, we need to do something about this, having watched the news and it's just, you know, seeing things that we've never seen before, really, so graphically. Um, so we just got a, a group of us together, some farmers, but some just local people, a um, handful of people. And we just started a GoFundMe page and said that we were our aim was to collect mainly medical um, goods and some um, baby stuff and, and take it over to um, the border. And we worked with an organisation called Help Ukraine which is a very kind of um, organised and slick operation, really. So we set up a GoFundMe page and very quickly, within eight days, we'd raised £19,000. And I think you, you can say um, it, it's more efficient to give money to um, a, a big organisation. But I think people buy into the fact that you're actually taking it over there. And I, I don't think we'd have raised as much. So we continue to raise. We've um, taken so far, we've taken four um, vans, vans worth of medical stuff and, and food and, and um, sanitary stuff over there. We've got two more vans going on Sunday, and then the flour um, that is, which Max has, has mentioned, is going out on um, Wednesday. But the other thing that we have done, which which has, um, I, I didn't, it wasn't in the original plan, but when we when we've gone over to the um, Ukraine border, we've then been able to give Ukrainian refugees a lift back across Europe, which um, is incredibly humbling. People who have t done the trip, that's the bit that has really hit them, that these people are fleeing and they are fleeing with a rucksack and that's all they've got. And they've left their husbands and sons there to fight. And that's a very sobering conversation with those people. Absolutely. Can't really think of anything worse, really, than leaving your loved ones behind like that, not knowing what's going to happen to them. Um, and I know, um, I know, Nick, you, 
you've been working with the um, the bakery that Max mentioned a second ago to supply them, and you've managed to to get some uh, some British companies involved, haven't you? Can you tell us what what's happened there? Yeah, well, luckily, one uh, one of our group members um, knew the um, director of wheat at Carr's um, flour mill in up in Carlisle, which is a very handy contact to have. And um, he's been great, Julius, there. And he's worked with Grain Co. and, um, and also a haulier in Penrith called Jenkinson's. And they've, between them all, they've donated 20 tonnes of bread flour, which is going out next Wednesday. Um, so it's not it's not we're not using any of the funds that we've collected so it's going direct to the bakery and the good thing working with max is that we've been able to show people where our aid has gone so for example my cousin is a blueberry farmer in dorset and he donated a load of blueberry jam and i saw those jars of blueberry jam outside the orphanage um which had lots of kids in it from maripol and that kind of um gives people a good feeling makes people want to donate more and and you really feel that the aid is getting to where it where it needs to be and the bread flour i think we've worked out it's 75,000 loaves of bread um so that will keep the bakery going for five or six weeks i think and it's a i think bread is just a basic um you know it has lots of religious connotations it's just a really good staple thing and also they can then feed themselves and they're not kind of eating pot noodles that someone in this country has donated <laughs> <laughs> yeah and absolutely and I think bread is it's a it's a stomach filler isn't it and it's like you said it's got so many cultural connotations as well um and I think I think you make a, an interesting point also about how going direct in this way can mean that people perhaps donate more in some ways, because they feel like they've got some kind of connection to it. I mean, what what do you think as, you know, as a farmer, what makes farmers great at kind of taking on this, this challenge? I think being self-employed is a huge benefit. And, you know, you can, you can devote a lot of time to this at the moment. And then as you get busy, you can, you know, you can move on to some, another group member to, to, to do. Um, I think it's, it's, as Max said, it's a common language that farmers have. And, you know, for, for I, I was brought up on a dairy farm and the thought of soldiers coming and Russian soldiers coming and shooting your cows. I think it's, farmers are the same everywhere. And I think you understand how, horrific that that would be and in it's um yeah i i think it's a common language um, yeah farmers have and and of course farmers have the 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 infrastructure to a certain extent don't they the the logistical means to be able to get get aid out there i guess yeah and yeah i think i think what what throughout the organization of it so we did it quite quickly we raised the money quite quickly and then two two vans went out the following week and I think you have a plan to begin with, and then that plan is continually changing. But I think farmers are used to just turning on sixpence and finding another problem, and then you sort that problem, um, working with other people, trying to get the best out of other people, trying to cajole people. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think farmers are designed for this type of work, really. And mm. and I think it's it's been particularly humbling. And when we the first phone call we had with Max, 
yeah, it's just humbling to talk to someone on the other side. Well, and it's an hour's, a day's drive away, but it was very early on in the in the um, in the war, and it, yeah, we were sitting here, you know, in Cumbria, everything was perfect, and you could tell he, he was in the middle of an absolute disaster, um, and that mm. was yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Max, the aid that you're that you're collecting from people like Nick that you're helping to facilitate, you're making sure that it goes to really specific places, aren't you? You're 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 reacting to specific requests. Can you tell us why that's important? Uh, you know, um, I think everybody already has some kind of information in the internet or maybe in news, and <clears throat> some maybe not positive cases with the delivery of aid, people can stolen this food. And we, as an organization which is helping, uh, we know how you are motivated when you know whom you are helping and you know that this uh, aid won't be stolen. And uh, for our main aim, it, it is deliver this aid, but deliver to exact organizations which are trustable and which really deliver it to those people who are in need. How do we do it? Farmers, they communicate, uh, they ha- they know each other. Even a farmer from western part of Ukraine can be known by the farmer from the eastern part of Ukraine. Uh, why? Because they meet each other on different agricultural exhibitions, agricultural study tours. It seems like agriculture worldwide is such a big industry, but when you're involved in agriculture, probably... You know the person who knows you from another side of uh, of the world. So just it's easily to check either this organization or this person is really helping, uh, and if this food is delivered from our side, what we are doing as a average trustable organization. So just we are making uh, video reports, we are making photos uh, for th- those farmers who are helping for them to have an idea how the aid is delivered. So just we are making uh, and trying to make a report of each stage. Either it is delivered, for example, to Poland, where it is located in Poland, uh, when it was taken from Poland to Ukraine, uh, where it was delivered uh, to what, for example, warehouse, and how it was distributed. And uh, checking either the whole amount of the provided aid was distributed among those people. And uh, when you you know that your help was provided to exact people and it wasn't stolen, you are so motivated uh, and you're, I think it's some some kind of happiness that you manage to, to help those people who are in need and you want to do it one more time. How many farmers have you been working with across across Europe to get aid um, over to Ukraine and from which from which countries so far? For the present moment, uh, we cooperate with the British farmers with NIC. We have also contacts uh, in Germany and in Italy. Mm. Uh, Nick, what would you what would you say to anybody listening who might be wanting to get involved but not quite sure? You know, what do they what do they need um, to be able to do? What kind of resources do they need at their fingertips to be able to make this happen? So I think you need to create a small group of you, um, not too big, maybe three or four, all with different skills and, and different reasons for getting involved. So one of our chaps was really wanting to help 
the refugees. One was all about medicine. And then link up with other people who have done it. So early on, we had a call with Clea and Larry, who you spoke to from Wales. And we spoke to them for maybe an hour on the phone and just jotted down all their contacts, all their hot tips, all the things that they that went wrong, that went right. And it's it's creating a network. And then since we've been over there, we've that now um, got people over there where the drivers, they can stay. There's a lady called Matteo's mum, and Matteo's mum just Love that. <laughs> she, brilliant. She um, she's quite an elderly lady, and she just puts them up. She'll she'll let them in whatever time they arrive. I think they arrived at four o'clock in the morning, and it's just somewhere safe to sleep where they can leave the vans uh, in safety. And yeah, so it's it's those type of things. And then with the refugees, we met a lady called Peggy Sue randomly in a car park who has been instrumental in sourcing out all the refugees we've taken over to Holland. So there's loads of people and contacts out there, but you've got to go out and and find them. And it's it's not that difficult. And I think Twitter is a particularly good thing. And I know Max and I spoke early on about, I think it was the Dutch farmer on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah we've not contacted him but he was he was good in in telling the story of the farmers over there to to kind of make you think god we need to do something about this and we need to just help these people because i think we've also got to think in this crazy changing world if if we had a problem if we were going through similar things um it you'd kind of want your neighbors to help and i think it's as as simple as that really it's it's people helping people and um, I don't think we can rely on the governments. I think we it's it's a gra- ground up movement. And that's that's the bit that has, has stuck with me. It's it's just humans helping humans. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Um, and yeah, like you said, at the moment, British government, especially right now, the whole Rwanda thing is not oh. particularly showing its compassion to fellow human beings. Uh, and I so, think it's, uh, it's also made made us think and we've had some difficult thoughts of why haven't we done this before? And and there's lots of um, good, you know, you, you can say we are helping uh, people of the same colour skin and why haven't we helped other people before? And I think it does make you think that we have got to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and be very honest and ask why haven't we helped help people before? And in the future, definitely, I'm thinking we need to, you know, look at people from any part of the world and, and help them. I think it's it makes you wonder why this has hit home particularly Um, absolutely i mean a person a person fleeing war and violence and persecution is a person fleeing war and violence and persecution wherever um i think that's a really it's a really good point max how can how can people get involved anyone's listened to this and wants to contact you and wants to start doing what what nick has done to to get some aid to specific places like you've said what can they do so uh any help, any assistance is welcomed. Even our uh, today's uh, interview, uh, this podcast is a big help uh, to provide assistance to Ukraine to tell what is happening in Ukraine. So we are already ha- helping Ukraine and uh, telling this story. But if to speak about humanitarian aid, uh, how people, for example, from Great Britain or any other European country who just farmers who are listening to this podcast, they can uh, have several options. Uh, 
for example, if they are producers and they have exact products which they can, for example, simply uh, take and deliver, let's say, to our warehouses, which we have in uh, close to Ukrainian border in, in Lublin region. So they can send this aid and we then deliver it to those people who, who need it. It's one way of helping. In case if they don't have this kind of, of products, they can follow, for example, activities which Nick do. Um, they can, for example, uh, fundraise some sum of money and buy those requested products and, for example, send it also to uh, uh, and send it also to uh, to Poland. It's the second way. Another way we are also just we are not. Uh, profit organizations, so just uh, they can donate, for example, to uh, our bank account, and we will buy those products uh, in uh, countries of Eastern Europe, in Poland, or just we are making the research where it is the uh, the, the cheapest one, uh, and uh, buying from from those uh, producers and uh, deliver it to Ukraine. We are providing all the receipts, uh, all the documents to show how the donated money are. Uh, one more option which we offer for companies, for producers of any agricultural products. So just our main aim uh, when we founded this organization, it was helping other companies uh, to open agricultural markets of Eastern Europe. So we can offer membership in our organization instead of paying membership fee to our organization. So we will help you to find uh, partners, to find distributors in uh, uh, any country of Eastern Europe. Instead, we will ask to provide for that amount of membership fee, provide humanitarian aid. So just this is uh, the first option for producers who, for example, who need some kind of uh, document. Let's say they cannot simply take some amount of products and send it, them to, to Ukraine. So just we can make, let's say, such kind of cooperation. Nick, final final word from you. Final word of word of encouragement to anybody who might be listening. What's your pep talk? My pep talk is: so, if you are in the agricultural industry and you uh, want to raise money or give products, I would suggest that you um, get onto Max's website, contact Max, and um, yeah, and get involved because it's it's a it's a very surefire way of getting the money getting to the right place. And if you'd like to get involved with helping Max, as Nick has done, you can find out more by going to eeaa.info. Thank you to Jez, Max and Nick. That's it for this week's episode of Over the Farm Gate. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite platform to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear any stories of how you've been helping with the aid effort, so do get in touch. We'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, from all the team at Farmers Guardian, we hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.